the pudding, and the pudding in this case is a football. Boom! Eat my goal! The goalie has got football pie all over his shirt. Uh, welcome to this uh, episode of the Down the Pool podcast. Um, we are reviewing uh, two games on this week's episode, myself and Gary. Uh, we're doing the dismal affair of the Forge game and then the much more uplifting game against uh, Toronto. So uh, welcome back to the show, Gar. Thanks, mate. Thanks. Um, so, so we've got quite a bit to unpack because there was two different um, performances, really. But before we get into that, I just wanted to have a quick little chat to you about um, this amazing article you did with Andre Rampersat. Like, and Andre is like, he's one of the nicest guys going, but he's also kind of a quiet guy. So you got like a lot of stuff from him, uh, which I was really impressed with. And the way you've written it again has been incredible. So how did the interview go for you? And what was the, what was the kind of interesting takeaways you got from it yourself? Yeah, it went really well, I thought. I mean, I'd, I'd never really talked to him before, but someone had, a couple of people have mentioned to me could be he's like quite quiet didn't love doing interviews and things like that so and I, I thought he was really really interesting he spoke really well especially after like 10 or 15 minutes he really opened up and I think it's more impressive because like the higher up in football you get like footballers are really boring like <laughs> so like if you talk like any kind of high level footballer is fucking dull they've got nothing to say they're utterly vapid and it's not their fault it's because their whole life they've kind of grown up in academies and their whole kind of their whole upbringing has been in like very male male centered locker rooms so like the biggest social weapon you have in their environments is banter and like openness and sincerity and being willing to talk about something in depth that's like gunpowder for banter isn't it because like people yeah. jump on that and go oh you're taking it seriously <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah so like I, i'm always like wary of ever talking to footballers because you always find they're a bit empty inside um sounds like a horrible thing to say but i mean everyone listening to this has watched a footballer being interviewed and it can be painful so that was it was like really refreshing to talk to andre because i thought he didn't have any of that like he he's someone that has lived a pretty three-dimensional life and has had really interesting life experiences um and yeah like I said my only concern was maybe he wouldn't want to be that open about stuff but he he really was and yeah I was really happy with how it worked how it worked out especially he went really in depth on like playing as a six and liking playing as an eight as well and how he's played as a 10 and he went really in depth on kind of when you're receiving the ball in a tight area, the actual thought process that goes on. Because I think like if you've watched football all your life, you know the game now, but there's still that last little peek behind the curtain where you want to know the mechanics of a footballer's brain as they're making those decisions in in high pressure moments. So yeah, it was really great how articulate he was with explaining that. And yeah, really enjoyed it. And I like I'd say... I've interviewed quite a few of the players now, like you have as well. And I'd say him and Morelli are the best to talk to. Like Morelli is a really affable, really likable person to talk to as well. Um, They're kind of almost polar opposites because like Joe, Joe doesn't really like to get too in depth into the football side of it. Cause like he's, he's just a kind of, he's got a gregarious personality and he kind of, you know what I mean? Like, so he's kind of very uh, outward and you kind of just you have a bit of fun with him. Uh, whereas Andre, like I, I I've heard out myself that he's kind of like he's kind of insular and he's kind of quiet. But uh, I, I found that fascinating too. Like you, you know, like when he's kind of talking about just like how it's almost like just um 
his brain just clicks in like when he's in those pressure situations like for me like you know like when you're playing like a kick around game with somebody like you still don't have that my brain isn't quick enough (laughs) you know what I mean like it's it's I, I don't think that's the difference that people are always kind of wondering what the difference is between like yourself and like what it takes to be a, a pro athlete and I think it's that quickness of thought that quickness and that's why you see like certain players that like Pirlo for instance that when he was 36 37 was still able to play the game like at the highest level because it, it was just like second nature just being able to like just push the ball on and even when Paul Scholes came back that time like for United like it was just second nature mm-hmm. to him it's, it was a really fascinating insight and as I said it's it's um it's definitely something that's I find difficult sometimes like trying to get that in depth in with people because like, I, I feel like sometimes I'm for myself, I feel like a, I, I'm not, I feel like a fucking idiot sometimes. And I, I don't know enough. You know what I mean? I'm always kind of second. Well, I think myself. With, with your podcast, though, like the whole idea, I think of your podcast down the pub is what is replicating mates down the pub talking yeah. about football and I don't, I don't talk to my mates down the pub and go, oh God, the XG and oh, the, the, pattern, the pattern play was really nice today. The structure, the structural integrity of the team. And you don't talk like that, do you? So I think, it, I mean, I probably bollocks up a bit of your podcast by even mentioning that stuff. But like the idea of it, especially when you talk to the players, is more about showing what they're like off the pitch. So I don't think you really need to cover that when you do interviews. Because I, I really, um, like what, what you said there about like uh, players being very insular and a lot of them are media trained. I think that's one of the good things about the USL and the CPL is that they've been kind of, a lot of them have been around the block and there's a, there's a story there to be had that like, mm. you know, like, like a lot of people like ended up in the CPL after going through like some crappy experiences in Europe or, and so it's kind of nice to plot the journey and see that they can still make it a living. And I find that aspect of it, the human aspect of it, very fascinating that, you know, there's people that like from Ireland that are playing the USL and how the, how the hell they ended up there. I just find that kind of interesting. So just on the non-media trained part of it, like my, still my favourite moment in the history of the club for that is, um, I'm going to say his name, you know what I'm talking about, Luis Perea in, 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 in year one when he hurt his arm and his Instagram story at like two in the morning was him on a stretcher holding an, an arm in the air with a cast on it. And he had this like really warm little smile on his face. And we had a game, I think the next day or something. So not only has he just shown the world that he's injured for that game, he's also just like clearly drunk or something. But oh, yeah, man. like that's the them moments where like, yeah, it's, I know they have to be media trained, but... I wouldn't exchange that for anything like having and, uh, as, a, and, as a fan and the mythology of a club like stuff that's brilliant. And those moments are going to get less and less as time goes by because people will oh, get. Yeah. But yeah. I, I must say another thing just before we move on to the games I found fascinating was I didn't realise about the um, the Elton John thing like them putting names into a hat to pick the captain like that. That was an incredible story. Like I never knew that. And that's, um, wow. <laughs> I, I'd always been told that there was a vote and Rampus had won the vote. And so I kind of mentioned that to him when I was interviewing him, just to kind of segue into talking about him as a captain. And he was just like, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> I didn't win that vote. That was Elton John. <laughs> Elton won the vote and he gave it to me. So, um, a, so yeah. gesture, huh? Like, I thought that, yeah. like, that, that was a beautiful story. And it's a beautiful like, moment of, like, passing the torture almost. Like, I really, uh, it was a, it's a great interview. And um, I'll make sure to link it in the, uh, when we release the, this one. But uh, anybody who hasn't had a chance to read it yet, check it out it's a great insight into being a midfielder and like almost being at the top level because like Andre's there and if I, I feel yeah. kind of bad for him I feel like he's missed <clears throat> two good years 
because he's 27 now, which is kind of the mm. old, the upper age of a midfielder and a professional. So, you know, you'd say he's got probably two years left at his peak. Yeah, and and, the, and these are like, and you've got to think for these sorts of players, these are peak earning years as well. So they're going to get the contracts that are going to kind of give them a, a, a nice couple of years after retirement if you've got to move to MLS or something. So I think I think if he had a different passport, he, yeah. if he was had an American passport, he would have got an MLS move by now. Definitely, and like he definitely showed that as we'll talk about later on, like he was able to hold his own against probably one of the Michael best Bradley. midfielders that um, the US has ever produced. Mm. So um, let's uh, let's get into uh, the Friday game, which was. Do we have to? Yeah, we have to, man. We have to, like you know, we have to take the rough of the smooth, I guess. So, <laughs> so, so we're coming off the back of the the two two against Calvary, where we kind of conceded in the last minute. Me and you had kind of talked previously about like how seriously we were going to take this game. Uh, me and you, uh, we've always said the league t- to us is more important. To, obviously, it wasn't to Stephen Hart because he put out um, a, a, quite a different uh, lineup. But do you think, just before we get into the lineup, do you think that played into Bobby Smirniotis' hand that, like, you know, like as for his team talk to say, listen, these guys aren't up for this. They were putting out a second string team because they've got a big game on Tuesday. Do you think we're getting a, a psychological bump there? Maybe any other team, yeah, but I think Forge, they're a reactive team. Sorry, they're a proactive team, not a reactive team. So I don't think they give a shit who was playing. And it's kind of, and on the on the lineup, um, if we would have talked at halftime, I'd have said exactly the same as you. Like, like, why are we so under strength? This is why we're losing. But we brought on our better players at halftime and we lost the first half 1-0 and we lost the second half 3-0. So I, th- I think it was, you kind of, you hand, you hand Forge the impetus by playing, those second tier players, I, I think, and they build momentum and build confidence. But uh, we were we were losing that game, or we were always losing that game. I think from the mid from the first minute, like we were the guys I sit with, we kind of looked at each other and went, "Something's not. They're not on it tonight." Like yeah. you notice it that quickly. It was just yeah, it wasn't it wasn't good, and it was it was all to do with Forge just. So t- teams press us like that happens. We we get press. This is a pressy league, but normally you kind of get a couple of forwards and a midfielder pressing our back line, so we can't play out that quickly and stuff. And sorry, um, but Forge pressed in waves, so they had their their forwards pressed our defenders really aggressively and not only that then their midfielders pressed our midfielders really aggressively so we had no out ball to our six or our eights and then the defenders pushed right up because we don't have Corey Bent playing we've got three forwards none of whom are particularly fast so if you're forward you go yeah we can press them really tight and really high because none of them are beating us in a foot race if they if they play a pass over our heads like we are going to win that foot race so no danger there at all so you can press like that like the, the only time it nearly didn't work was in the first, I think it was sixth or seventh minute when Akeem was through one-on-one. And like that was, that moment was the blueprint and how you deal with that. Like you, if teams press you that high, there is a lot of space in behind and we yep. we made the most of it nearly. But that was the only time it happened and they just suffocated us and pressed us to death. And it was miserable. It was a miserable game, wasn't it? It wasn't oh, fun at all. Like I, so for this one, I was in behind the goal. So I was kind of able to see how our back line was was kind of working and normally when when you're being pressed it's usually around the midfield an awful lot and they kind of you kind of just allow the defenders a little bit more time but they, they didn't and you know I, I found that like Peter was Peter Shaw was like trying to play a lot of long balls that just weren't coming off and they were just playing right back into their hands 
that, this, that, this, that long ball wasn't on, was it? Because the, no, the short ball into midfield wasn't on. The long ball wasn't on because we didn't have any pace there. It's just there was the, the, no the, way out. It was kind of, and I, I think this it was it showed how much I, I've always kind of seen uh, Restrepo as a as a as a right back, but it goes to show you how much. Uh, Zach Fernandez makes a difference to this team because we did not have that outlet on the right, like for somebody to kind of run on. We had it on the left a little bit with Tabby, but Restrepo just couldn't get up and down at the same speed. And we just normally like Fernandez is pushing their left side back up the pitch, and we didn't have that. And like, no fault to Restrepo, he's not that type of player. So it, I think that was a big change. I thought putting Cream Sow into this game was ridiculous. I don't know why we did it. Like, he didn't have it. He didn't have a bad game, but it's like, gee, like I just felt him and Peter's uh, partnership just wasn't on it. Like, like there were, they just weren't communicating properly. I, it just didn't look right. Um, I thought it was a, like, you know, you're bringing him back into this after a year or whatever he's been away, like back at college. Like, give him 10 minutes here and there. You don't stick him straight in against like one of the best teams in the league. I just thought that was a very odd, very odd decision. And also, the thing we talked about like the last time against Calvary where like our our left wing was like um was Gander the last time and Tabby this time had was pushed right across the pitch like so he was playing against like, the center goal, half. Yeah. and like the every time that they got the ball they they obviously watched the Cavs game because all they were doing was, was passing it straight out to their right wing over Tabby and Tabby had to like boot across to try and block whoever was over there leave whoever he was marking in the middle, like hoping that Peter or somebody was going to pick him up. And it just kind of left us really exposed. And I think that was probably the cause of the first goal because everybody mm-hmm. was shifting across and like uh, Sean Mary just came in, like ghosted in at the back there. And uh, yeah, it was it was just, no, nobody was on it already. That back line, yeah, what you said about Tabby, definitely. So you kind of, you want your back line to look like table football, don't you? Where yeah. they're all connected and they move side to side together <laughs> and move up and down together. But he he kind of moved, but everyone else stayed where they were. So you just had this huge area of space. I, I, I and... really feel like that 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 was a, a formation decision by the coaching team because it's the second game in a row where it's happened. Like Gander was the same thing where he was like sitting right in as a almost as like a centre back, and Tabby was the same. And then as soon as that ball came over, like he had to boot across. And I don't think that Mo Omar was tracking back as much as what Jeremy was against Calvary to kind of counteract that. Um, and I felt really bad for him that he was hooked at like half time or whatever. Like it was, it was just a, it was just a, just a weird game, and I, I hated every fucking minute of it. It was just I did not enjoy. Yeah, it was no fun. I don't even know what we're talking about it to be honest. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> we kind of kind of have to. But I, yeah, I mean, yeah. like like Daniel's played a li- like okay-ish. Like he had a couple of surging runs. I thought he, was he had okay. a weird, he had a weird role in that game. Like he started, he was just had a completely free role. He was doing what Morelli used to do, where, where basically he's got license to go wherever he wants. And there, there's games where that's going to work really well, but that wasn't that game. Like you needed structure and some, well, I mean, maybe that's harsh. Like maybe the idea was, okay, they're going to press this to death, but if we've got someone with a free role, then they're not going to know who to press, who's pressing him. And therefore he should always be the outlet. But yeah, it didn't, it didn't, nothing worked. It, it didn't work. And like the, um, so, so we we have to kind of talk just a little bit about uh, the goalkeeping in this one because I know a lot of people have kind of mentioned it. I've noticed one thing about Kieran Basket, and I, I think he's a really good goalkeeper. And he's got great potential, but he parries an awful lot. Like instead of like, and when he does parry, he doesn't seem to parry 
away from danger he seems to parry almost back into danger like and uh, i felt like with a couple of like his position was kind of off and a couple like i mean the, the goal was a uh you know if a keeper's coming for a cross at that you got to win it right and it left a, a, a very easy header for sean ray at the back and then i think it was past what's that guy's name the the guy who scored the fourth one he like he, he just par- like it was a pretty tameless shot at him and he just kind of parried it to the back post like it just it, it just was an odd a lot of bad decision making i thought what did you think yeah it's just it's, it's just wrist strength isn't it have, like i'm sure he's got compared to us phenomenal wrist strength but yeah um yeah he just the, the fourth one that was yeah because i think the third one he palmed one out quite well but it still led to a goal but then the fourth one he just yeah palmed it into the into the path of the forge player and also tabby was kind of marking that forge player and you see him look up the ball looping and in that split second he looks up oh. he just walks in front of him and heads it in that, so. that was the that was the sean year one that was like yeah i i, I was going to bring that up like a how much he ball watched on that one he just <laughs> he just wasn't at, at the races for the last goal, July firework display like, exactly right? <laughs> and then, but then like for the for the fourth goal we had three center half or three defenders in there that all just stood still while uh, their, mm. their, their forward ran on and scored like all. It, it was just defending was no. shocking. Like, like Rampersat couldn't get into the game. And as you said, it was just purely because of the way that they had set up. And we just, we didn't have the tactical nose to uh, to counteract that, I felt. I just yeah. think that Stephen was out, out taught. That's I think that's the key now is like, the Forge had offered, has, have offered the perfect blueprint on how to play against the way we play and the way we've played all season and like the, the us of last season would go with five at the back against Forge sometimes we'd, we'd always kind of switch up a little bit against them but the coaching staff obviously trusts the way we're playing now to go we fancy it against a team like Forge and if that was your your first assignment you failed so now how can you rework the system like it's like an ai isn't it it's constantly learning yeah. and learning and learning so how now is the system going to the sorry, the coach is going to learn okay, when we play a team that really aggressively presses us in all areas of the pitch like that, how do we get out of it? And that's going to be the interesting thing because we play them again quite quickly. I think two or three weeks' time, we play Forge again. So that's going to be, and I hope when we talk about that game, we kind of listen back to this podcast before it because that's going to be really informative to see how much have they learned from how much we got suffocated in that. Yeah, it it was, as I said, it was just an awful game all around. And like... I it was probably like one of the, I've been to the Wanderers ground and been walking away kind of disappointed and disheartened after like the Cavs game was a little bit disheartening, but I, I still felt we played well enough. This one, we just weren't at the races and it was probably one of the worst Wanderers displays I've ever seen. And it was, uh, it, was it was the worst. It was definitely yeah. the worst. Like I think even the Forge, the 6-2 against York in 2019, there's, and we've talked about this before, there's the huge caveat of the amount of travel that yeah. preceded that preceded that game. Um, so I kind of write that off and forgive it. But yeah, that was, it was, it was, it was very bad. <laughs> very, yeah, very so, bad. so, so, you know, like the, the, the good thing was that the, this next game came, pretty quickly the Toronto game um, and, and I just thought it was just a complete 180 of how they played, how they started it was obvious that they probably haven't watched a Wanderers game because like we were we were really good in midfield I thought that that was probably one of Andre Rampersat's best games, he, he was bossing it in there um, the little interplays between Plessy and uh, Jeremy and stuff like that where it was a joy to watch um, what, what did you make of it yourself? 
yeah, we again, it's night and day. We were absolutely brilliant against Toronto. I thought we, we controlled the midfield completely, which is saying something when they had Michael Bradley. And it's, it's not a Michael Bradley that was phoning it in either. Like this is Michael Bradley who a year or two ago, sorry, three years ago now, said how gutted he was Fury Beaters because he wanted to play at Wondrous Grounds in that sort of tight environment. So it was a Michael Bradley that would have been very excited about that night and wanted to play well. So to completely dominate a midfield with him in it was was so impressive. And yeah, Rampersad was was unbelievable. Like, like it's a, I think it's the first performance I've seen from a Wondrous player where it was getting oohs and ahs from the crowd. Like yeah. some of the flicks he was doing, people were going, oh, Jesus, what what just happened there? Like he was at, he was so on it from the first minute. I thought, but I think Polisi as well. Yeah, Polisi was excellent. Where did, where, where did that performance come from? Like he was like beating players. He was like making runs. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen him play that way before. Like, because normally he just usually, like everybody kind of sees him as a bruiser, right? And he kind of sits in yeah. and kind of breaks stuff up. But man, he was like, he was taking people on and he was doing some nice some nice he, things in there, which was great to see. Usually he's the one that would play as the so the the lone six, but he was playing as a really aggressive, pressy eight instead. And like it was amazing. Like he looked really angry all match. Like he looked like he played the <laughs> he whole match. Was, like, right? <laughs> like he was playing like a really angry 12-year-old, and the, the opposition had <laughs> stolen his ball. And he was really like chasing <laughs> after him in the park and giving my fucking ball back. <laughs> like, he looked so crossed in the whole match. And so anytime, but he was the thing, the thing that I like about Polisi is like he's got that brutish aggression to him, but and he's always playing on the edge a bit, but you never think he's going to get sent off. Like, yeah, he's, he's an aggressive, borderline violent player, but you never think he's getting sent off. And I don't know how he does that, like how he walks that line, really. I mean, I fucking said that he's going to get sent off next game. Yeah, though, of isn't course he? Guaranteed. But yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy, brilliant as well. Jeremy was just technically controlled things. Brilliant foil for, for Rampersad and Polisi. So, yeah, midfield were unbelievable. So what did you, it was the, the debut of Mr. Sam, am I saying that right? Sam, no, Sam. Sam. Yeah. Uh, Sam. Anyway, so what, what did you, uh, what do you think of his contribution? I, I thought it was kind of a rough night for him. Um, it, it, like McNaughton, I thought played pretty well, actually. Like, I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's, he was picked up by Toronto for a reason. He's a pretty good player, to mm. be honest. Uh, I thought Salter was, Amazing again, um, Sammy fucking Salter. But uh, what, did you, what did you make of uh, Sam's contribution? I, the thing with Sam, I feel like I've missed something because every, like the same as you, people I've read in Twitter and the Discord were saying he played badly, but I thought he was good. And I kind of wanted to, I haven't really had the chance to properly watch it all back yet, but I wanted to because my, did my eyes just miss something that everyone else's didn't? Because I, I thought he looked really dangerous on, on the counter and... The, his finishing was poor. He had two very good chances. So his finishing wasn't great, but he he always felt threatening. Everything he did, like, he's going to be a really useful... I, I'll tell you, he'd have been brilliant against Forge. He was exactly yes. what we needed in that Forge game. Like that sprinter who you can just kind of knock it into the channel for, and you know he's got the legs to beat someone in a foot race. And he might, he might kind of bumble his way through a little bit to get there. He's not the cleanest player technically, but... He's always gonna he's always gonna look quite threatening. So yeah, I, I thought he was fine apart from his finishing, but I, I, I'm happy to stand corrected on that because everyone else whose opinions I very much respect saw it as a poor performance. So I think that's more me just missing something. I, I, I like I wouldn't say I wouldn't go as far as say it was a bad performance. I just thought it was kind of like just 
when you the problem is you're comparing it, I guess, to Salter and Salter, especially in that second half, came into his own and he was he was amazing and like he was taking players on and beating them. Whereas I felt that way with Sam, he was like there's a couple there where like especially when Akeen came on, he was like doing like little uh like little flicks to him and so, so his, his link of play was pretty good actually, I thought. But like his finishing was was brutal. But like we have to talk about Sammy Salter again, man. Like I mean Sammy he, fucking Salter. I know he, he's just he's just a different player. And I mean the he had like a really good like he created a great little chance for himself towards the end there. Like we had them on the ropes um and you know a lot of that was down to him so what what did you think of his performance you just you see you see his stature growing and you see the way he's carrying his body now and his chest is his chest's out heads high chins up and he just he looks like he completely believes in himself now and trusts his talent and it hasn't always looked like that with him he's he's never I always kind of got the sense with him, does he actually believe he belongs at this level? And I think he's proved to himself over the past few weeks that he definitely does. So he's carrying himself with a bit of a swagger, with a bit of arrogance. And you need that because like he, I think he's the sort of player who's going to thrive off being a bit arrogant and a bit up his own ass and thinking like, then you start to bully the centre-backs and the full-backs, don't you, when you feel like that. And he's added, he's added different goals to his game now as well. Like that, I've not seen him score a goal like oh. that before where he picks it up on the edge of the area. It's, it's not a one-on-one and he uses his body and his intelligence to shift into space and create an angle for himself. Like that's the thing with that goal. I didn't really hear the commentators mention. It's it's him delaying it a split second when he probably should have shot a split second earlier, but just delaying it allowed JGL to move out the way a little bit for that little channel to appear. The, the only channel he could have put it in. And he and also he has really good finish as well. And he almost used Michael Bradley as like a, mm. an aimer. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, for sure. Yeah, because he kind of used him as and like with, with the ball going around Bradley like that, I put the keeper off, and the keeper was like really slow to react. So it it, it was a fantastic goal and like it lifted the roof off the. Uh, well, if we had a roof off the Wonders <laughs> ground, like everybody went, went went ballistic. But like like we kind of have to talk again, and we you brought this up the last time about like how it's a it's almost like a DNA thing where we concede late goals. And this is like, I, I, I kind of, I walked away from this one and I felt, I, I felt ecstatic about how we played, but I was also really pissed off because mm-hmm. I feel like we let another good chance go again. Cause I mean, like last year against the, like we've had two MLS teams now that we've almost taken the penalties, the Wanderers grounds and we lost both games very late on. And mm-hmm. the goal that we conceded was, garbage it was absolutely horrible like from the fact that three the three midfielders that Schaffelberg won past them to Oxner I don't know what the fuck he was up to <laughs> he was like ca- caught in no man's land and it was just it was just, it was a shitty way to lose a game again and I, I felt like really disappointed walking away that you know like we're we're talking again about you know a great performance that we're not getting what we deserve from it and it just mm. reminds me so much of Euro 2012 when I think Ireland was being beaten 4-0 by Spain and the fans had stayed behind to sing to the players and Roy Keane being Roy Keane like, was on ITV <laughs> afterwards and was like, you know, like we, we shouldn't always just be going along for the sing song every now and again. Like we want to win stuff. And that's how I feel right now. Like I feel like, like, it, like we're, oh, it's great. The atmosphere was fantastic. Everybody had a great time. But we should have at least got a penalty shoot out of that. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I feel like really disappointed that like we, we, we all had to walk away again, like 
I felt very dejected. <laughs> I don't know how yeah. you felt. I was okay, actually, like way better than the cavalry game because I think, like you said, you say the opposition, it's an MLS side and stuff. But I, Shep, who I sit with, was like you. He was, I've not seen him that gutted after a game before. Like everyone was kind of like happy and cheering, great performance. And he was just sat there staring at the bleacher and he just didn't really talk. And he was just, I'm so pissed off. I'm so pissed off. Um, so we, we kind of had polarizing experiences and I, I completely get it because I was the same after the cavalry game um and I think the frustrating thing for both those games is we concede late but when if I described a team that conceded late you'd think that team was a team that was under the cosh and yeah. the other team were peppering crosses in and shots in you had all your men behind the ball but it's not like that it wasn't like that against cavalry and it definitely definitely wasn't like that against Toronto because we were the ones that probably should have scored in that last yeah. 10 minutes. And that's the annoying thing. It's not a case of siege mentality. Just put everyone behind the ball and eventually are oh, damn, they broke through. It's we were like, are we committing too many players forward to try and get the winner? Is that what was happening there? Or I, I don't know, to be honest, but it, it's something I that just keeps happening. And like we said last week, it's at the point now where it's a feature, not a bug. And it, like, like in this one, like looking back on the goal today, like it was just just people switching off. And I think that's the problem. I think it's like people are just switching off at the end of the games. Like that like it's it's just carelessness. Like as I said to like with Schaffelberg, like like Mo Omar and Polisi just let him run. Like and it's almost like somebody else will pick him up. And that's the problem. It's like you know, it was the same with Calvary where it came Garcia was like somebody else will pick him up. You know what I mean? Like and it's like in, instead of somebody taking the responsibility and saying, I'll pick them up. It's like somebody else will do it. And then that person doesn't come through because there's something else going on. And I just felt that we just got caught so flat footed. And then the, like Oxnard, I don't know what he was trying to do. There was a bit of a chaos at the back post, blah, 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 blah. But it was just when that goal went in, I just went like, oh, fuck, you know, and it's like, yeah, here we yeah. go again. And I knew that I've watched enough of these kind of cup games to know that we weren't ever going to get a goal back in that to come back. Uh, no, we, no. we had our moment. We had our five, 10 minutes and um, we didn't score. It's, and it's just, yeah. it's managing, it's managing moments within the game, isn't it? It's the players. So I think what's happened is all the momentums with us. We look like the team we've scored in the 70, whatever minute, no 69th minute. Six minute yep. yeah, yeah. All the momentums with us. We the so mentally the players switch to attack mode, don't they? And then, like you say, then when there is a counter attack, you've got players who are still kind of mentally looking up the other end of the pitch, and then recovery pace isn't what it should be. Positionally, you're so focused on attacking shapes that you're not there when it goes down the other end. And yeah, it was it was really disappointing after an excellent performance. So, so is that like? Do you think that's like? And I'm not trying to be an asshole, but do you think that's the difference between where the Wanderers are and where the next level is? Where you know, like where the the top top players don't switch off that way. That they're you know, like you saw against like Real Madrid and Liverpool on the weekend, where mm. like Real Madrid like work on top of things till the last minute. You know, like people are throwing bodies here, there, and everywhere. But we just don't seem to have that ability. Like in that those last couple of minutes to kind of just shut the game off you know 
I wonder how much of it is is youth as well because I've we 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 ended the game with a really young team because of injury, like Rampy and uh, Jeremy yeah. having to come off like that killed us. I think I think we're saying all this, but honestly, I think if them two would have stayed on the pitch, we would have we would have won that because of the control they were giving us and the like the the adults they were the adults in the room, weren't they? Um, so having like young players on the pitch, I think some of it was to do with that and. Yeah, it's just not managing your moments, not not knowing you've got two jobs always. You're not it's, you're not only ever just attacking and only ever just defending. You need to have like kind of that that duality and of thought. So did you, did you watch the uh, the little snippet that, that I think one soccer did or CPL did it um, behind the yeah, scenes? Yeah, it was brilliant, brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought I thought it was very just some interesting like little tidbits in there. You know, where I think it was at half time where Jeremy had I think he'd said that he was injured and he could probably last for 20, 30 minutes, which was interesting. I thought, and then um, like the bit with Corey Bent at the end, that was a game set for him, which I thought was a nice little touch from. It definitely it, was. It definitely hard was to say, kind of like just a nice little like geo. But I, I I also thought it was quite quite interesting when. Salter and Sam had like run to the to get the ball from the net to bring it back to the halfway line, and Stephen Hart was like, basically, what the fuck he is doing? Like, why is why is <laughs> charging around? And I think that was kind of him like saying ex- exactly what we just talked um, about there. Yeah, calm yourselves down. Like, it, 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 there was so much adrenaline running through because we were actually like on top that uh, I think it just kind of everybody's got a rush of blood to the head and. Um, yeah, I, I just it's just another one that was like what what could have been, but um so. Obviously, we've got York coming up on the weekend. They had a bit of a disastrous go over last night, I guess, because uh, Chris Noah was sent off. And I think they might have another player that's, uh, I think Abzi mightn't be able to play. or, or cause he had to get... what's, the, what's the rule in the CPL for that? Because isn't it in the Premier League, two yellows in a game and you get a red, then you don't miss the next game. It's kind of passed over to... Two it's games time. I always thought it was the next game. You, you, you lot. You, oh, you I thought it was just straight red for some reason. Yeah, um, I, I think I thought it was always like the next game you were suspended for. Okay, um, but yeah, I, so, I, so, so apparently, he, like I, I'm not too sure to be perfectly honest with you. So we'll see. So, yeah. you know, like this is, I, I feel is a must-win game for us. Like I think we have to win this one. I think it's, um, you know, like we, we've had a bit of a home stand now. Like we've had how many games we had in a row now at home? We had Edmonton, Calgary. Fourth. We had yeah, Valerie so, between Edmonton and Cavalry. Oh, so sorry, sorry, yeah, fourth, okay. yeah. Yeah, so we fought and, you know, we we haven't won any of them, right? So, like, I think this is what we need. Where they owe the fans one, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Mu- it's must. It's must. I know it's, it's a bit weird saying that this early in the season, but it feels, it feels must win, especially because if you look at how congested the table is, like, you oh, want to stay in that pack. And I think we're one defeat away from there being a bit of daylight between us and... The, yeah. the middle which again really early in the season it's not disastrous but you don't want to be hanging onto the coattails you want to be right in there and you, you kind of want to be looking upwards and going how can we get closer to pacific who will definitely drop away as well like they've, they've had a lot of home games they've they've not they've been picking up little results without playing particularly well as well i think I do think that's a bit of a false position for them. Um, so I think they will drop down into the pack as well. And I think you'll see Forge rising above the pack and kind of getting a lead. But we's, nothing's changed for us. It's still that that third and fourth place is is the aim, I think. More forward the fourth place. I think one of the good things for us is, is that York like are, are worse than us, like they're like in, in terms of goal scoring. I think they've only scored six goals so far. So mm. they're not scored, they're not scoring goals. Um, although like people you, you swear with the way that people are going on about this the, the Rosario kid that 
we they signed Messi, you know, and I guess yeah. he's had, he has two goals, three goals, I don't know, whatever. Um, so if, that, I, if, he, if his dad wasn't who he is, then he wouldn't yeah, I, get I, I, any attention. In saying that, now he's probably going to go and score a fucking Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Police, he's getting sent off and he's scoring a hat trick. <laughs> Nailed on. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to go to mass tomorrow and say a prayer that it doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, so, but I did have one last thing just before I let you go, Gary. Um, so, um. First of all, your man in the match against. So we're not even going to pick a man in the match against Forge. We're your man in the match. I got, against... I got one for Forge. You actually. do? Okay, go for it. Corey Bent. He didn't play, but it's Corey Bent because, <laughs> like, honestly, he. There's some. There's some games where a player not playing, like their stock goes way up because of it. Yeah. And if Corey Bent had played against Forge, we would have had an out ball. We'd have had someone to run into the spaces behind. So yeah, Corey Bent from from the stands. Was that man of the match for Forge? <laughs> yeah, I'm not even. I'm not even going to get into it. Uh, so uh, against Toronto, then uh, who would, who was your man of the match for that for that game? I would say Rampy, but I've I've written about him a lot this week, and I've talked about him a lot, and I feel it's getting a bit perverse. So I'm going to go Polisi instead because yeah, yeah I, I thought I, Polisi. Oh, is that who are you going to go? No, no, I, I thought you, I heard he's going to get a restraining order put out against you. So <laughs> he probably, he probably should. I'm recording this from outside his apartment. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go for uh, Sammy. Fucking, I, I, I think I gave Sammy Salter the last one too, yeah. but he was fantastic. I, I'm, yeah. I'm really enjoying. A, see them happy playing football, as you said, because last season he just looked not happy with what he was, he was up to. Mm. So that's great, and he's just a joy to watch. He's like the way he's, he's beating players, and especially against Toronto, I thought that like you know, like fair fucks them, like having the balls to do it. You know what I mean? Like you know, yeah. like a lot of people kind of wilt under that kind of pressure, and he was just he was just up for it, and I, I really enjoyed uh, uh, his performance. I, but the, the, the one last thing I did have to ask you: so what what did you make about? Um, Derek Martin coming out and saying that uh, if Easton Angaro became available, like he wouldn't sign him for the Wanderers because he doesn't fit our system. What did you, th- what did you think of that? I, I'm going to sound like a homer here, but I genuinely, I genuinely, when I read it, I agreed with him. And but it was very unfortunate that the next day we played Forge and put in that performance when we were blatantly lacking an attacker. But I, honestly, I still think, and I'm someone who at the start of the season I wanted to sign on Garo. Like I wrote about it a fair bit, saying how I thought he was perfect for the way we played last year but I do kind of get what he's saying actually and I know everyone listening is shouting at me right now going you fucking idiot but I I, I actually agree with Derek there even though it's going to make me unpopular yeah I, I've got a feeling you I've got a feeling you I, 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 I for, like first of all I, I find it kind of weird that like he came out and even responded to the, the question in any way because he's not on the football side it's you know it's Matt Fegan and Stephen Hart on the football side and he, sh- he really shouldn't have a say that much in it but that's just my opinion but the fact that he did I, I just think like you're born in a bridge with somebody for-, for no reason you know what I mean like it's it's like I, I think we'd be lucky to have him here like like the fact that like he's the, the top scorer you can't look past that like I mean like it, like this league is very difficult to find people who can score goals and if you're just born in a bridge with somebody it just doesn't make sense to me and I, I kind of I, I know what you're saying like what he said kind of makes sense because like obviously Salter is starting to play a lot better and the way that we play with three or top, he probably wouldn't suit him. But I just think he's good enough that he would like, you, you kind of fit a system around them a little bit better. You know what I mean? So I, I, I think with Ongaro as well, I I think Ongaro thinks he's too good for the league. Like the way he's talked about it before. I don't, I think he, he comes back here if it's the very, very last option on the table. Because he kind I, of he, he went away before and came back, and I think he was probably a bit embarrassed about that. And it's happened again; and it's not quite worked out. So, so yeah. 
and, and, and I'm cool with that. Like, like that, that side of it, I get. But just to kind of rule him out and say like he doesn't fit a system, I just think it's like I I don't like that. I just think that when a player like that becomes available, like you have to be on, you have to be willing to go for him because I just think that we always kind of go the, the cheap route sometimes with with the Wanderers and we kind of miss out on players like that. And I just think that be kind of nice ones to put our hand in our pocket and bring in a player who can you know guarantee the scores like ten. 15 goals that isn't Joe Morelli so that was that's just my I, just I think I think I, again I'm, I, know I'm, I know how much of a homer I sound like here but I think the club's thinking is probably Sam is Sam is the option who scored 15 had a 15 goal season in the USL um fits the way we play more therefore that's the option we want at centre forward that so yeah I, I I do agree actually even though again I know People are gonna. You're such a fucking homer, man. Jesus I know, Christ. Mate. No, I, I. But I, I just feel so like I've been shitting on the performance versus four. Uh, you'll uh, leave me. But, but I, I, I just feel like, the, the, like obviously Sam had a great season in the USL, but he's kind of not has been playing like anywhere we know of. Like I, I know mm. he's been playing in, in Senegal or, or or wherever. Like it just feels to me like that's that's the way we do stuff. Like we'd go for this guy, like and like hope that he comes good, rather than going for somebody that we know yeah. has done the business before. And I just, I just feel like, like we kind of at some stage we're going to have to like put the money out there and like because Derek talked before the start of the season and I think that didn't help himself by saying that he wants to bring a championship back to Halifax and he wants this and that and that and we got that horrendous display against Forge and then we lost in the last couple of minutes against Toronto you know what I mean so I I just feel I I wonder how much cap space I wonder how much cap space there is Uh, because I mean I think we probably, uh, this is genuinely me speculating completely. It's based on nothing. I think we probably pay some of our players a lot more than we think. And I, I don't, actually, I don't even really want to get into this speculating no, about what individuals either. earn and stuff, but I think, I think we've got some quite well-paid players and I don't know how much there would be available to bring in. Like if you're on Garo, like, so I think it's kind of, we all know the top of the cap is like around between 70 and 80,000 yep. a year he's going to be demanding something like that. And what team right now has got the cap space to show that out? The other stuff I completely understand, like from a system point of view, I could, I think I could quite easily be convinced that we should sign him, but I, yeah, I don't think we can afford him. I don't think anyone in the league really can. I, I, and I, I, I totally agree with you on, on that sense of it. Like I, like I think if Derek had to come out and said, we don't have the cap space. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and just that, that way you're not pissing off the player. You're not like, like having having fans having this debate about like why systems and da 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 I just felt it was an odd one like like from I, and I know I really appreciate the fact that he comes out and he as an owner and kind of gives us these bits of information that he does where a lot of other owners don't and I really appreciate it and I hope he never changes. I just thought on this one just don't don't race to the to the to the debate and uh, it's all Derek Simon's fault, basically. Like he's the one who, put, who tweeted the fucking thing, so it's all <laughs> his fault. <laughs> so yeah, man, it's uh, it's, it's been great. Uh, I'm looking forward to see it on Saturday for the game. And uh, yeah, my mum, my mum's here for it. Nice. Okay. Yeah, she's she's visiting from England. Um, I haven't seen her since before the pandemic. I'm sure you're the same with your family. So yeah, um, yeah got her got her tickets for the game. So we're I'm not sitting in my, I'm not in my usual spot. I'm sitting a bit lower down. So. 
yeah she's nice. good to see. she's she's a massive football fan like so she like she was Chelsea season ticket in the 70s and 80s and stuff so she she knows the lay of the land so see what she thinks of the CPL experience yeah I, I just like I wonder how uh, she's going to feel that she comes all the way up to Canada and you bring her to a fucking football game but uh... <laughs> no, no honestly she loves it massive massive football fan like watches every game on TV and stuff so yeah well, she'll she'll love it well hopefully alright buddy thanks bye mate Get out! Out to fuck!